House of God, glad you're here. In Luke chapter 13, we see that the theme is the need for repentance. And the key verses are verse 3 and 5. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall likewise all, shall all likewise perish. And the need for repentance is, is not that you necessarily, it's a work for salvation. It's a work God does in salvation. The Bible says in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance according to the knowledge of the truth. After you are saved, God's got to let you know what sin, so you'll turn from that sin and turn to Him, and and keep your walk with Him. You've already got a you've already got a sonship. You already related, but you want to keep a fellowship going with Him, and we got to do that as He reveals things to us and shows us from the Word of God. This chapter has thirty five verses, eight hundred sixty four words, all inspired by God, kept forever in our King James Bible. This chapter is a five point nine grade level. And as we look, we saw the explanation of why we need repentance in verses 1 through 5, then an examination in verses 6 down to verse 10, then we got the executive of repentance in verses 11 through 17, but today we pick up verse 18, we're going to read verse 18 and verse 19. The Bible says this, Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like, and whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took, and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. As we look in this thing today, this is commonly known, and I'll preach to you about today, is the parable of the mustard seed. The parable of the mustard seed. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we look at this parable of the mustard seed. Father, we do love you. We thank you, Lord, for letting us be here and be alive, and we pray, God, that you'll show us great and mighty things we know not from your word. Help our understanding, according to Psalm 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, and I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. We pray, God, you'd help me to preach today, according to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For us in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray and ask. Amen. Amen. As we look in Luke chapter 13, these two verses, the parable that we're looking at is a glimpse into the last day's church. The last day's church. You and I, by the way, are living in the last days. It's it's painfully obvious by what we see going on around us. The last visible sign that we'll see before Christ returns in the rapture of the church is the the Israel becoming a nation again. That happened in 1948. So that's the last visible sign we get before the Lord shows up. If you hold your place here at Luke chapter 13, look at Romans 14, there's a phrase we got to identify. We're going to identify it from the dictionary, the King James Bible. We're going to see it right here in the Bible, Romans chapter 14. And that phrase is the kingdom of God. He said, what would I liken the kingdom of God to? In Romans chapter 14, verse 17... The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. So there goes all you TV preachers that say prosperity is the thing. 
If you're driving down the Mercedes of life, if you want to drive that way, you got to get through all the hardship and heartache. Well, guess what? That's not That statement is not true. You follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to suffer as he suffered. You're going to go through things that you never believed you went through, but you're going to get through them because, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. It's because of who you're walking with. But notice he says the kingdom of God, if it's not these things, he said, but, so it's these things right here, righteousness, joy, and peace, all found in one place, in the Holy Ghost. And if you take that definition right there and you go back over here to Luke chapter 13, verse 18, he said, what is the kingdom of God like? Well, what's it like? It's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. And he points this out. As we look at this today, here's the actions of the seed that happens over here, the mustard seed over here. He says in verse number 19, he said it's like a grain of mustard seed. And when he points that out, we see number one, the facts of the seed. It is the smallest seed. I got a jar of mustard seeds in my office. And if you take those things and you look at them, they're just a tiny little speck. And you can take one, you can throw it down anywhere, and that tree will start to come up. It, it'll, it'll, it'll start working its way up, and that tiny little seed will produce a great little thing to come out of it. But there's a problem with that. And the problem is this, by, by its own built-in dictionary, a mustard seed has something to do with faith over in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, where the Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed... The smallest seed, he said, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. People try to be try to scoff at the Bible, and they'll say things like, well, if that was true, I could look at that mountain and say it moved. If you believed, it would. If you believed. The problem is people don't believe. Yep. Okay? The facts of the seed are this. It's the smallest seed. But there's another thing they don't see in that, that thing about removing these mountains, and I'm going to show you what it is. Here's most people's lives. Yep. You see mountains and valleys down this little pathway I'm taking you? Yep. They, some of you got to understand this. If you're ever going to get anywhere in life, you've got to say, mountain, be thou removed, and start traveling like this. Quit letting every little thing bother you. Right. Quit getting offended at every little thing. You know, this Bible says, Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Yeah. I was told the other day I should be offended at something, but I'm not. Don't offend me. Yeah. There's things that might make me mad, but they don't offend me. That's for liberals. Mm -hmm. That's for you snowflake crowd. By the way, I can't wait for November so we can get a replay of 2016. No! You know, and get all that back. We can see hashtag not my president again. We get to see all that meltdown again. And you know what'll come along with that? World peace and low gas prices. Say amen right there. So how are we gonna have all that? Well, when you put the right people in the right offices, they, they know how to do the job, which is why we don't need politicians up there. That's been painfully obvious. We need people to know how to run a business since we are basically a business. Makes sense to me. So instead, what we put in the first people has never done anything trying to tell us how to do everything. No wonder we don't have no peace in this world. 
But we look at that seed, it's the smallest seed, and that mustard seed has to do with faith. And, and showing you the last day's church, can I tell you how most of these churches started? It started because somebody believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and got saved. Yeah. And it started when they led somebody else to the Lord. Now there's two or more gathered, and they, they had enough to start a church right there. And a lot of them got together and started these churches. And, and I'm, uh, in this area right here, I'm not talking about the 10,000 splits we got going. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about the churches that started back way back when when a guy named George Whitfield stood up there in North Carolina out in a cow pasture and was preaching people would come from 10 miles away saying we heard your voice and he'd go out there and preach thus saith the Lord tell them they need to be born again and that's getting out there and not too bad for an old Presbyterian guy wearing a, a, one of those little wigs and a little a little robe and all that other stuff he gets there and preaches and he finds out something those people are going back to where they come from they'd get saved they'd go back and start churches they'd start churches listen they'd start a church where there was no church and they'd get in there and they'd, they'd start baptizing the converts and it amazed whitfield he made this statement he said all my chickens are become ducks what was happening to them instead of them being the the chosen frozen of the presbyterian church they were starting baptist churches so how do you know there were Baptist churches? Because of the sign out front. And that's how I know when they ain't one either, when they take Baptists off the sign. But listen, Baptist has nothing to do with we're the only crowd, but it shows you what we believe. I do not attend churches where they don't tell me what they're on outside. Because you never know what's on the inside. And I do that for the same reason, lady, you buy your green beans, because you're going to buy the brand you think tastes good, and I would too. I don't buy a, a, a can and hope there's something good in it. Would you? I mean, I might go to the scratch and dent sale up there at the discount place, but there's got to have a label. Tell me what's inside the scratch and dent up can. I mean, you think about that. But I look at this stuff, and I see the, the, the smallest seed has a big old tree come out from it like that. I got a problem at my house, and don't you offer to fix this problem because we're not allowed to shoot these things up there. But I got an old oak tree out there that keeps putting off acorns. <laughs> And my neighbor tells me every morning there's a pile of deer around that tree. Hmm. You know what they after the acorns? You know what amazes me? I was told not to eat watermelon seeds when I was a kid. You grow watermelons, you badly. What's going on with them, with them deer? Why are those trees coming out their ears? I don't know. But I, I know this. Yeah, is that that's, that's why they grow antlers. That's the crowd that's eating them. I got it now. It makes sense. But listen to me. Listen to me. That oak thing, that oak tree, I mean, it's some pretty big, big size acorns there. You could halfway see that thing being big, but that little grain of mustard seed, smallest seed, you know where these churches started off? In the middle of nowhere. And listen, when they got to be over 100 in size, then people would go start another one where there wasn't another church. Yep. They'd move over and do it. And that's how we got churches all down through the South. It was through preaching like that and through baptizing converts when they got saved, not before. Yeah. And as they started churches, and each church began to multiply, a lot of the churches around here come from that crowd. Yep. And when we, we look at that thing and we see that, there's a lot of churches started right. Yep. But can I tell you something? A lot of them don't end right. Here's what happens. Here's the future of that seed. Look at verse 19. It's like a grain of mustard seed, he says, which a man took and cast into his garden... And, and it says, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of there lodged in the branches of it. The future of the seed, we've got the facts of the seed, now we see the future of the seed, and the way this works out is it becomes colossal in what it does. It started off tiny, but now it's big, 
And listen, that's the way these churches started off. They started off tiny, but some of them's got real big. They got a lot of influence on things going around. They got a lot of influence on culture. They got a lot of influence on other churches and other people that go to other churches. And and the influence they have, they totally misuse it now because a lot of them are nothing but a bunch of nightclubs with some sort of Bible and some bum up there in the front of the thing that says he's the pastor. Right. Of course, y'all don't have that problem, do you? Okay, four of you think I'm a good preacher. The rest of you, listen, you fix and get it. Listen. Listen to me. Listen to this. The institute that the thing has is a worldly church with worldly faith. And if you hold your place here and look over to Ezekiel 31. Ezekiel 31. You got a worldly church with worldly faith. What are they doing? Probably worldly things, if I had to guess. They'll probably have worldly music, worldly attire, and all that other stuff. Ezekiel 31. If you look down here in verse number 1. It says in Ezekiel 31, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the third month, and the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude. Whom art thou like in thy greatness? Behold, the Assyrian, the Assyrian was a cedar in Lebanon, with fair branches, and with a shadowing shroud, and of a high stature, and his top was among the thick bows. The water made him great, the deep set him up on high, with her, with her rivers running round about his plants, and sent out her little rivers unto all the trees of the field." Therefore he said his height was exceeded, exalted above all the trees of the field, and his bows were multiplied, and his branches became long because of the multitude of waters when he shot forth. All the fowls of heaven, get that right there, all the fowls of heaven made their nest in his bows, and under his branches did all the beasts of the field bring forth their young, and under his shadow dwelt all the great nations. I don't have to really go into too much of this, but he says, speaking of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that's a, Pharaoh's a type of the world. He's also a type of Antichrist in places. But he brings up verse 3, the Assyrian. The Assyrian. Do you know most Bible scholars believe this man right here is the Antichrist right here? An Assyrian. What, what's his nationality? He's an Assyrian, but he's Jewish. Get that thing. Now watch this. He said he was a cedar in Lebanon with fair branches. He likes this thing to a tree, but then them fowls of the air show up. You go back over here to Luke 13, and we got this mustard seed, and it becomes that great tree there, the mustard tree, and it says the fowls of the air lodged in the branches. What you find out is you see that there's, there, there's this, this seed starts branching out and becoming a great thing, and these fowls of the air are like the devils in hell that's on this earth that keeps infiltrating these churches, and did you notice they don't visit, they lodge there. What's wrong with these worldly churches? Why, they've taken in lost people. And might I add, devil-possessed people. So how do you know the devil-possessed by what they do? Devil-possessed people act like devils, don't they? You Holy Ghost possessed, you act like the Lord, right? That is, that is a correct uh, interpretation of the scripture, I believe. Amen. But I look at that thing about them doing that, and I notice in 1 Timothy chapter 4, there's a crowd shows up over there. If you look over 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, we'll take a look at this right quick.
in First Timothy chapter four, we only want to use the Bible to interpret the Bible because that'll help, that'll show us what the Bible's saying without all this external, uh, you know, clappity clap that people try to put in here. We just look at the Bible. First Timothy chapter four verse one. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. Here's why they do it: giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What are they doing? They're listening to another spirit or spirits that's not the Lord. So how come they don't know it? Because they're deceived, my friend. And when people get deceived, I love how people think they can't be deceived. You know what that tells me? They're already deceived. You know this Bible said if it were possible that, 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 that some of these people in the tribulation, they'll deceive the very elect? And I had somebody point to me and said, if it were possible, that means it can't happen. You missed that word if, didn't you? You know, what, you know what the worst kind of uh, uh, deceived person is? The one that thinks they're not deceived. Okay? So how can you tell the authorities of this book or nothing else? If it's anything else but this book or 100% of this book, they're deceived. I had somebody tell me one time, say, I believe this is the words of man. It's not the words of God. I said, how do you know that? So a man wrote it down. Well, gee, that's pretty genius there. If, you, if man wrote down and make it man's words. I said, well, I'm just going to switch everything I believe then. Unless this book is true and God used men to write it down like he said. Right. They said, why do you think it is the, the words of God? I said, the way it ends. Let me add one more to that. The way it ends in every dispensation. God says do this, man fails. God says do this, man fails. God says, I don't like none of the movies I watch, man writes. I ain't like none of the books I write. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, in Jaws, who kills the shark? A man does. In Star Wars, who blows up the Death Star? A man does. See how that works out? You get over here, man's a failure. Right. And everything scientific recorded in this book that happened thousands of years before we discovered it was right the whole time, and scholars and scientists alike scoffed at it. Yeah. Do you know who the first flat earthers were? the Europeans. You know what they found out? Some dude got in a boat and came over here and went, ran into a this place. You know why they call them Indians over here? Because he thought he was coming into India. He said, you the strangest bunch of Indians I ever see. Where's your dot at? True story. What do you mean this ain't India? What are you calling me Kimasabi for? What's the, what kind of language is that? Imagine the shock on his face, right? You think you're landing in Blacksburg and you show up in Gaffney. I mean, it's like, you know, where, where are all the human beings at, you know? I thought y'all had rednecks over here. You got a bunch of hillbillies. What's going on here? This don't sound right. Or even better, you go into Gaffney, you wind up in New York City and think, what in the world has happened to America? You boys have really lost it, haven't you? But listen, I see the future of the seed, the institute it has. You, you see these people are, are seduced by seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Here's what they do right here, verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. If there was a crowd in this world right now that tells their priests they can't get married and tells them don't eat meat on Friday, I wonder if that's who he's talking about. Or is he talking about the Seventh Adventist says you can't eat pork, but yet they'll eat bologna. Oops, told on them, sorry. Look at this. 
And, and you, you see all that. Look over at 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. The Bible clears up a lot of ignorance and a lot of education all at the same time, don't it? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul's starting out again with the same basic thing here. says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Let me, re let me, let me read you some titles here. MySpace, Facebook. Has that ever occurred to you how selfish that sounds? Listen to this. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. I wonder if they'll take selfies. Y'all girls kill me talking about. You know where you got that from? Elvis, 1956. There's pictures of Elvis doing that same pose with a camera in his hand where he took the picture. You wouldn't copy Marilyn Monroe like you thought you copied a man. Now watch. Men shall be loved their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Wow, what a list. I bet if I took the next 40 minutes and went through there, we'd be at the altar crying. Without natural affection, that's why they keep dumping these babies in abort, and they have no natural affection. I watched this show with my wife the other day, and I forget what it's called, but it's about all these crazy people. They wind up married to and all this stuff, and it started off with a woman saying, how can a mother not love her child? Right there it is. That's how it happens. We must be in the last days. Listen, next time that crowd says, my body, my choice, remind, us, remind them it's a body inside they're choosing for that can't choose. But what about rape? What about incest? What? But that ain't what you're doing it for. Yep. You're doing it because you have, you have, you're talking about your body and you didn't control it. Right. They must be somebody other than you controlling it. Ephesians chapter 2, listen, says you are taken over and controlled by somebody else. You know who that was? A spirit of disobedience. Disobedience now works in, the spirit works in the children of disobedience right now. That's why they're such a worldly spirit about these people. Where'd they get it from? The devil. A very spirit that does that thing. He didn't make you do it, by the way. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Wow. That sounds like, listen, that sounds like court TV, don't it? Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Oh, my goodness. Uh, where was you at Sunday? What was at the lake? Was at the mountains, at the beach. Did you go to church while you was out? Well, you know, we couldn't find a good one. Now, when you, listen, if you was visiting Mount Rushmore and said you couldn't find a good church, that's in South Dakota. If you said you was visiting, uh, what's that one over in uh, Nepal over there? The largest one in the world, what's the name of it again? Mount Everest. If you said I was on Mount Everest last week, I can understand ain't nothing but snow, ice, and dead bodies up there. I can understand you not finding a church. But if you visiting and if you live in the South and you go to vacation in the South, there's churches everywhere you go. Yep. That's right. I found good independent Baptist churches at Myrtle Beach or Myrtle Coast, as it were. I don't mind telling you to go there. I don't take off my clothes. You've seen pictures. I don't mind you showing up unannounced when I'm down there either. You know why? I ain't doing nothing down there I don't do up here. Yeah. I live down there just like I live up here. By the way, I don't have two standards. I got one. I dress the same way down there as I do up here. Amen. The worst you're going to see me is in a pair of jogging pants t-shirt just like you would up here on my worst day. 
So you don't wear shorts. I got a pair on now, but you ain't seeing them either. Say amen right there. I think a lot of people have forgot this stuff. They got a different language, different standards. And that's just outside the church door. Listen, you need to have the same standard everywhere you go. You know why your life's so unstable? Because the Bible said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's why you like that. Get some help today. I notice he says here they have they love pleasure more than lovers of God. And dear Lord, if you go up to the mountains to vacation, guess what you find up there? There's a church on every hill up there, if not ten. And some of them are great churches. I mean great churches. And then he says in verse 5 about these last days, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. They got a form of it. They, got, they may have a cross, a steeple, the stained glass windows. They may, they may have something on the side that indicates they're a church, but it's just a form. It's just a form. See, the future of the seed is these churches get so far along and the craziest thing happens. It becomes colossal, but then it becomes corrupt. And because it becomes corrupt, the very place of the corruption, listen to this, is inside and not outside. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, the three things I would hit would be the family, the church, and the government. I'd attack all three of them. I'd make sure they were all corrupt and everybody lost faith in all three of them. How would you do that, preacher? I'd make the people that's over it look like a bunch of idiots and a bunch of hypocrites. That's how I'd do it. Now let's look at what I just said. Is that what the devil not does he not do that to all three of them institutions? Some of you ladies going around talking about, well, my husband's an idiot. Well, you the idiot that married him. That means there's two idiots together. Joined happily ever after. Now ain't that something? Well, my wife's a moron. Well, you married her. That means there's two morons now. Am I running well yet? So you know when kids are bad, you know whose kids they are? Hers. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> if I were going to attack the church, I, listen, I'd go into the church and I'd make the preacher look bad and make him look like a chicken-eating, adultering thief. Yep. And what's the preachers getting caught for nowadays? Them very three things. There's a lot of things bother me I can't change immediately, but there's some things I can change. If I can change them, I will. And one thing in particular that bothers me is this. Why are these preachers keep running off with these women? Some would say how the women's dressed. I don't believe that. Tell you what I think it is. I think he's a real devil wants to take them down, and he just keeps working at them and working at them and working at them and working at them and getting inside here and working them over and getting inside here and working them over, and then he puts it before their eyes. See, if you learn this stuff right now, you don't have to suffer it later. Here's a third thing. If I was going to attack the family and, 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 and the church like that, I'd also hit that government. I'll tell you what I'd do. It's what I'd do. I'd make sure every politician, if they jerked back the sheets, was in bed with the same sex or with ten other women. Lo and behold. You know the guy that's running third party right now? What's his last name? Can you say it out loud? Say it again. Do you remember that he's related to this guy? He's related to a guy that a woman got killed in his car and he ran from the scene of the accident because he was drunk and he never spent a day in jail for that? When he died a couple of years ago, all the liberals said, what a great man. Really? A great man? 
Let's look at his voting record and see how great he was. Don't look great to me. Looks ungodly. What did he do for a living? He was a politician. He never did anything else. That's the guy who put in charge of everything. You know, he almost got elected president one time, just like his uncle did. What was it his uncle was again? Yeah. Remember when he was president, there was something happened called the Cuban Missile Crisis, and it wasn't Cuba's missiles aimed at us. It was Russia's. So let's fast forward that. We got another senator as president right now. If I was still the devil, I'd know y'all don't learn from history, so I'd just repeat the same deal. Guess who we fight in a proxy war with in another little small country? Would you like to guess? The more things change, the more they stay the same. That's only if I was the devil. I ain't no telling what the devil's really doing with that crowd. Now watch this. It becomes corrupt and the place of the corruption, according to Ephesians chapter 6, listen, this is where the devil's going to hit them. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For he wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of, of, the, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's why I'd attack the home, the family, the church, and the government. There's your high places right there. The ones God put here. And what, does that, what happens with this, this little parable here? We, re, we read right by it and never study it and see if that thing has to do with the end times and the end times church and how the, the, the future of this church becomes corrupt and the people of corruption are the birds and the birds are our devils according to exact detailed doctrine teaching of Jesus himself on parables in Matthew 13, 19, Mark chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 and Luke chapter 8, verse 5 through 12. Every time you see him mention birds, it's always in a bad light, especially because it says fowls of the air. Yeah. You ever wonder why people think angels have wings? You ever wonder why people think that? Because somebody drew it on a picture. Same reason they think Jesus had long hair. They saw a picture. Wait a minute. Y'all didn't see a picture. It was a painting. How about that? So if I painted me with a cape, does that make me Superman? If I paint me flying with that cape, does that make me Superman? No, I can't fly. I'd barely jump. And if you see me running, you better take off too. Because I don't run. If I am running, that means there's something bad behind me, and you better not look back. You better hope it gets me before it gets you, and it gets full up. But I look at all this stuff, and in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12 through 17, the last church that shows up before the Roman Catholic Church in that chapter, it's no wonder all the churches are adding all the Catholicism's doctrines because they're all heading that way, ain't they? You ever, you ever heard the term Reformed Baptist? You know what that is? That's a Calvinist. You know what Calvinist is? A cheap copy of a Roman Catholic. So you believe that? I can show it to you in print. Now watch this. The very place where they go wrong is all at the same place. They all start off talking about predestination and elect, how that God predestines and elects just certain people to salvation. That's another gospel, my friend. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's another gospel. And, and knowing that, listen to this, and knowing that, that lets me know something about them people. They're lying to me. Why are they lying to me like that? Well, because they can, and they're liars. And when they tell that lie and you buy into that lie, then there'll be a second point they'll give you. That there's some people got saved because they couldn't resist God's irresistible grace. 
And then they get on and say that they, some people never get saved because they're totally depraved. And they'll go on down and they'll just keep going. And they'll say that Jesus' blood was only for the elect. It's, only, it's a limited deal. And you're so used to hearing a limited time offer, you buy into that deal. And it's a bad deal because it's a lie. If it's not, there's going to be lost people show up in heaven at that judgment and they accuse Jesus Christ of not dying for them. But it gets worse. When you get through all that stuff and all that false doctrine, they say, well, that's what, that's what happened at the Reformation. That's why we're Reformed Baptists. Can I let you in on something? The guy that wrote all that stuff down copied it from a 4th century Catholic named Augustine. It's Catholicism. And once they sink you on that, they're going to take you at Revelation and show you some trumpets being sounded. And they're going to show you a mid-tribulation rapture where a trumpet sounds. And they're going to take you to first lesson on the first lesson and say, there's a trumpet there. It's got to be the same one. And you're going to be going... It's in the Bible. But it's not in the Bible. It's out of context. That's when you read Revelation 4.1 and find out it wasn't a trumpet at all in 1 Thessalonians 4. It was a voice that sounded like a trumpet. And when Paul wrote about it, he is back off from the distance. When John wrote about it, he is standing right there and heard the voice. And he says, so it wasn't those seven trumpets over there. Well, what about that mid-tribulation rapture? It was only two guys and both of them got their head cut off. How about that for something? Say, so, preacher, you believe in mid-tribulation rapture? I just told you I did. That there was two men gets raptured in the middle of the tribulation. They get, they get their heads put back on and up they go. That's the very definition of it. But see, the church gets raptured before it starts. Right. All the church, everybody's got the Holy Spirit of God inside them, up you go. Three and a half years later, well, they're going to they kill these guys in the streets and have a satanic Christmas. And then God's going to say, come up hither to them. But there's only two that gets to go. Now, you get this picture, right? So if you blaspheme the Word of God and get people falling in on that, the next thing you'll tell them will be this, and this is where they all mess up at. Revelation 6, 2, there's a guy rides in on a white horse. And they'll say he's Jesus Christ, according to Revelation 19, 11, those two verses, but they're wrong. You know how you know they're wrong? That guy in Revelation 6, 2, he's the Antichrist. So how do you know? Because he has a crown given to him, and the one in Revelation 19 has many crowns. One walks in with a, with, with a bow and no arrows. The other one comes in with a sharp sword out of his mouth. One's talking about peace, and the other one's bringing war. And that guy that brings the peace, there's bloodshed right behind him. That's why there's a red horse rides in behind him. See what I'm saying? They try to misinterpret scripture so you'll think Jesus is coming to make it all better. And before long, you're sitting there in an amillennial cult called Calvinism and you think you're a reformed Baptist. You don't need to be reformed. You need to be reborn. And when you get reborn, you believe this book as it stands, as it says, and you stick with the word of God. That's real simple. Almost too simple, ain't it? What's the theme of this chapter again? I believe we need for repentance. You know what these worldly churches need? Same thing you and I need. Repentance. Repentance according to the acknowledging of the truth. Nobody ever repents. Godly repentance at work of faith. Nobody does that until they see it in the Bible. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. God shows them, and once God shows them, they turn it around. You say, are there any hope for people like that? Sure is. Bank manager in town. He died a few years back. He come to me and said, can I talk to you? And I thought, oh, Lord, why do I agree to these things? Usually when I get in there, it's always something really bad. He sits in there and says, 
there's something going on in my church I don't like. Well, that's nothing common. I'm sure there's things going here you don't like. I don't like them sometimes. I said, what is it? He said, my daughter thinks that she is uh, part of this movement. I said, what kind of movement? He said, something where they use contemporary music and they throw the Bible out and get rid of the pulpit and they have praise music and paint the walls black. I said, they trying to add that up at the church you go at? He said, yeah, they tried it down there. Here's what they did to them. They said, well, here's what we'll do. We'll put an 8 o'clock service for the contemporary crowd. We'll put an 11 o'clock for you traditional people. And then they told them the lie that they get over on everybody with. And if you don't believe this, go listen to you Democrat liberals. It's for the children. You know why they want to keep that border open down there? We can't call children illegal. They're not illegal. And they get the best paid actors in Hollywood to get them to say the same thing. And people's buying into it. Except Texas, they said, you know what? We got so many rapes and murders and killings going on, we're going to put a stop to it. I say, amen, Mr. McMaster, send our crowd down there to help them. Yeah. Do you need volunteers? Say, you can't run. I ain't planning on it. Remember, the Bible says stand. Stand. Here's another thing. If we look at this in the big picture and see how, what they've done with these churches and that, a man told me, he said, but we've had so many children saved. That was in the 90s. Most of them children he talked about was sitting in a bar last night. Some of them are smoking meth today. Tell me again how they got saved. Come on, I want to hear it. Please tell me. I'm going to tell you what they did. They tricked these children into saying a little prayer that would get them to heaven, and it don't work. The Bible doesn't say pray your way to heaven, pray till you get in. It says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So what's the prayer for? So you can ask him. Not so you can be saved, so you can ask him to save you. Now watch this. When people come up with this stuff and say, but I'm reformed, you're not reformed. Reformation never works. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. Right. You know who he said that to, by the way? A guy that was over the synagogue. He didn't say that to the drunk in the street. He said it to a religious guy. Yeah. Why? He's religious and lost like most people you know. Yeah. So how do you know they're lost? There's no change. No change in them. The gospel we preach is so the sinner can get saved. Yeah. Not so people can feel good about themselves. This, this, corrupt, this corrupt tree that's happened, it didn't start off corrupt. How did it start off? Well, it usually, just like everything else in history, a church, it goes into four stages. A man, a movement, a machine, and that's a monument for all these birds to rest on. How many of y'all know what that statue is right there above that little bank on Beaver Street where the road was right there before the railroad track? There's a guy standing there in the statue holding a rifle, standing like this. You don't even know who that is. Why don't you go look today? You know what he is? He's a symbol of something that we forgot about. You know what I see on that statue sometimes? Birds. Just like any other statue, any other monument, that's a place birds come to rest. You know what we have up there where I live at? I seen him love that. I didn't believe it when I saw it. But why was that man standing out there? It wasn't a man. 
It was a scarecrow. I ain't seen one of them in a long time. Just somebody have a scarecrow out there in a little field. You know what's funny? I was looking at that thing. It looked real enough. There's a little catch. He ain't real. He's a monument. Why is he out there? So things that's not as intelligent as human beings will think it's a man standing out there and will leave his stuff alone. Are you getting this yet? What happens to these mustard seeds? They grow into great big old trees. And then when they become a monument out there, then all the devils come lodge on them. And I look, I, I look down, I see this. I preached on tithing last week. Boy, that was great, wasn't it? But listen to this. Statistically, you beat the odds. 93% of people sitting in this building tithe that come all the time. That's unheard of. You know what the other statistic is of the rest of everything else? Most every other church, less than 3% keep the whole church up. 3%. But we're running thousands. We're reaching children. Are you? Are you reaching the children? You don't even reach the adults. You don't reach anybody. You just put on enough of a circus that people come to it because there's a sucker born every minute. There's a generation growing up right now that don't even know what church is. You know why? They've never been introduced to it because they've never been introduced to Christ. I invite you today to come and know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not say a prayer, not take my hand, not do to know Jesus Christ. Paul said this, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Either you know him or you don't know him. I'd hate to walk out of a church where, where we've read the word of God, we've looked in depth to what it said, we've had Sunday school, we've had great choir, great song with it and everything, and walk out the door the same way I come in. But if you do, it's going to be your choice. I, 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 I'm telling you, today is your day. Now is the day of your salvation. Let's stand with every head bowed, every eye closed.